Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 26th day of May 2023. Happy, glorious, delicious Friday. Can you taste it? Yes, I can taste it. And that's a glorious, wonderful thing. I'm Derek Hunter. I'm your host. I appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, getting people into headlocks, pulling machetes on members of the media and trying to get them to listen to the show. Every little bit helps. Okay, maybe not everybody's a tenured professor who gets fired anyway, but, you know, a boy can dream. Uh, don't forget about the Weekend F and Review, patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. It will be posted at midnight tonight, and I imagine it's going to be fun. It's just going to be fun. You don't want to miss it. I don't know why you've been missing it thus far, so check it out. And if you want to try it for free, get a sample, Patreon will let you... Uh, I think you can do a, a one-week free trial, so check it out and uh, see what you think. All right, this is going to be a shorter-than-average show because it's Friday, but no, it's not because it's Friday, but it's late. It's 9 o'clock now in order to get this rendered and up and everything. I'll have to cut it short. I had uh, I don't have very many friends with kids graduation age, but uh, one friend, my friend Larry, or uh, Larry O'Connor, you probably know him, or may know of him. His daughter graduated, or to, is graduating today, but the party was last night. Do the math on that one, figure that out. But uh, they from the Naval Academy, so in Annapolis, we had to drive over to Annapolis, an hour and a half away, and got to have a good time out there. Congratulations to her and to everybody else who's the class of 2023. And so for that reason, I was three hours in the car, two hours, three hours or whatever at the party. It's just going to be a shorter program, probably half. But we shall see. We shall see. You know, it's not like anybody's watching. That's the beauty of doing your own thing is you get to make it as long or as short as you want. Okay, I want to get into what is burning up everything in politics right now. The choosing of sides. The choosing of sides. Look, I know so many people like to pretend they're above the fray, but nobody's above the fray, especially when you work in politics. Your work is the fray. Your work is to create the fray, to stir the fray, to highlight the fray, to get more attention than the fray, or draw attention from one part of the fray to the other part of the fray. You name it, that is the gig. I have my beliefs. I'm very open about them. You can take them for what they're worth. I'll never tell you who to vote for, except for when the choice is between a Republican and a Democrat. Then there's no ambiguity. Vote for the Republican. The worst Republican is light years better than the best Democrat. Just is. It just is true. So, Given that dynamic, given that choice, I always say vote for the Republican. As far as which Republican to vote for when you're choosing amongst Republicans, I'll leave that to you. I have my own beliefs. I, uh, You can figure it out, I suppose, where my favor is leaning. I have not committed to anybody. I don't push my chips into the center of the table until I actually go into the voting booth. I am open to persuasion, oftentimes 
many in the political world don't try to persuade anymore. So they just make an argument or make insults against each other. Look, I, I know. I know that I would assume most of you support Donald Trump. And as a concept, I too support the former president. What I would like to see from the former president for me to really go in and think this is the way it should be would be to see him make an argument, a case for himself. We get it. Joe Biden sucks. He does suck. But you're not really talking about how much Joe Biden sucks right now, Mr. President. Mr. President, excuse me. Back a little hiccup. Uh, you're not really talking about how much Joe Biden sucks right now. You're talking about how much Ron DeSantis sucks right now. And quite frankly, Ron DeSantis doesn't suck. He doesn't. If you want to talk about trying to make somebody unappealing, the best way to do it is to make yourself more appealing. Look, as a as a man, I was a boy. And as a boy, I was a boy. And I imagine most men were boys because I think most men that I know were absolutely boys. And by that I mean when they liked a girl, dating a girl, whatever, you did everything. You danced like a stupid monkey for you. do anything to try and get her attention to curry her favor. And then you kind of lose interest a little bit. You just do. You're young. You're stupid. There's another shiny object. You get distracted by it. But she, if she isn't even interested in somebody else, but if somebody comes along and there's a new guy in her life, be it at work, be it a friend of a friend, some just you know, all of a sudden, like, what the hell is this guy doing hanging around here? And she maybe laughs at his jokes. Now, two days ago, you were ready to break up with her. You'd had enough. Nothing, literally nothing has changed except for that she laughed at somebody else's joke, somebody new joke. Like, who the hell is this? Then suddenly you go, hey, wait a second, I'm the one who dances for you, right? Like, say dance, monkey, and throw pennies at me. Now dance. What do you want me to do? Hey, uh, how about I go fill your car up? And then I wash it while you're at it. Suddenly you become a little bit passive-aggressive, the best boyfriend in the world, which immediately sends teenagers, male or female, or wildly stupid creatures, sends up the radar. People pick up on these things. Huh, that's weird. And for weird reasons that are if the, if the, that are unknown, if the girl wasn't interested before in whoever the boy was that you're trying to distract from, she's now going, what is he trying to distract me from? Is he trying to distract me from this boy? Well, I'll listen to this boy and see what he has to say then. And there must be some reason he's trying to get me to not pay attention to this. And the next thing you know, you kind of ruin everything and push them together. I've done it. I've done it. And it's wildly stupid. And you sit there and you go, well, would it have happened had I not? And you'll, you'll never know. You'll never know. Everybody's had their heart broken. Everybody's broken hearts. But if you just remain yourself the whole time, the thing that it is that attracted the other person in the first place, you will more than likely keep that person attracted to you. Look, eventually, it's a teenage love affair. You're going to fall out of love or what have you, but you get the gist of it. If you have a case to make for yourself, make the case for yourself. Lead by example. Instead, Donald Trump is acting like it's 2015, and I get it. Look, it's his campaign to run. It's your vote to choose. I'm just saying, make them court you. Make them all court you. Don't 
get in line behind anybody. My favorite thing to tell people is never, ever offer blind loyalty to a politician. Demand it from them. Demand it from They're never going to give it to you. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's going to go, oh, he's the best president in the world. They're the best candidate in the world. They're the best this, that, and the other thing. And they're so pure. No, they're not. They're telling you what you want to hear. Where were they when it mattered? And where will they be when it matters? I care about where will they be when it matters. And you can tell where they'll be when it matters by where they were leading up to that point. Do they have a track record of this? Look, I will be eternally grateful to Donald Trump for the three Supreme Court justices he appointed. They were excellent choices and they have in many ways helped not save the republic but they've certainly uh, elongated the life of the republic and for that i am grateful but that doesn't mean i owe him my vote if ronald reagan rose from the grave and ran again he is not entitled to your vote he would have to earn it all over again and one of the things that Sort of bothers me. I don't know why I'm going down this road because it's going to do nothing but get me into trouble. But one of the things that bothers me about Ronald Reagan is that Ronald Reagan is not, was not Ronald Reagan. Nobody was Ronald Reagan. Now, one, Ronald Reagan is the man, and the other is the myth. Ronald Reagan, the man, was not Ronald Reagan, the myth. When I first came to Washington, D.C., and probably still to this day, to a lesser extent because there are fewer of them, one of the things you could count on was being at a meeting or an event or whatever, and one person who would speak or be um, singled out for applause or given an award or what have you would be somebody who worked, quote, worked for the Reagan administration, got their start during the Reagan administration, did this, that, and the other thing. And you go, oh, the Reagan, they did the Reagan administration. And you come to find out they worked in the mailroom for about 22 minutes, and that was it. But people had been dining out on having been even tangentially associated with the Reagan administration forever, forever. The conservative world before Trump only had Reagan to celebrate, and they built up this myth around Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was a great president, don't get me wrong, but he was not the myth that he's made out to be now. A wonderful president, did wonderful things, turned the economy around, but didn't turn it around immediately and didn't and was not without mistakes. Ronald Reagan granted mass amnesty in a horrible deal in 1986. Mass amnesty for a secure border, but the secure border never came. He just got the mass amnesty. It was a horrible, awful deal. The Iran-Contra deal, it's a massive mistake. There were tax increases under the Reagan administration. Yes, there were. I know they're not talked about, but there were. There were all sorts of things that the Reagan administration did that too numerous to list here, but you get the gist and you can find them out if you go back, especially to contemporaneous news stories. They did. They existed. Ronald Reagan was not perfect. Ronald Reagan was certainly more good than bad. But he was not, by any stretch of the imagination, perfect. He certainly didn't push hard enough for spending restraints. He didn't use his political capital and the bully pulpit wisely enough when it came to spending. Now, the Reagan deficits and the national debt in the Reagan administration seem quaint by today's standards. But everything starts somewhere. And that was a big, big problem. 
So you look back at the Reagan administration through the lens of the people who exploit it, and you think he was the perfect president, best ever in every way, shape, or form. And then you look at the facts, and you go, he was certainly better than most, but he had his flaws. He had his problems. Donald Trump is the exact same way. Donald Trump was a great president. He's not a perfect president. He's certainly not a perfect man. He could have done a lot more. When it came to the tax cut, he basically left it to Paul Ryan to do. And look, I'm all in favor of tax cuts, but in the end game, in the grand scheme of things, what does it matter? If you're making $60,000 a year and you get a $1,000 a year tax cut, that's great. That's great. You're absolutely loving that. And then you start getting your check again and you go, wait a second. A thousand dollars. There's 26 pay periods for divided by 26. That ultimately works out to 38 dollars every two weeks. And you go, okay, well that's that's wonderful, but it's not life changing. It's not life changing. You care more about other things. You want the impact on the economy that the tax cuts bring, but. Far too many Republicans try and sell tax cuts as a boon to people individually. And it's really not unless you're a massive, massive, wealthy taxpayer. It's really not. It certainly does the economy good, which then does impact everybody. But they sell it differently. And so you're looking, oh, the Trump tax cuts really exploded the economy. The economy under under President Trump was definitely better than it is now. Was it a perfect economy? No. Was it the best economy ever? No, it wasn't. It wasn't even close, okay? The economy after World War II, just for perspective, okay? The economy after World War II was amazing, amazing. The economy in the United States exploded. Now, there are many practical reasons for that. Europe and Asia were decimated, They couldn't manufacture what was necessary. So, of course, the manufacturing came to the United States. It wasn't anything that Truman did. It wasn't anything that Eisenhower did. It was a simple fact of our factories hadn't been blown up. So we could build the stuff. That, by far, that period after World War II with the baby boom, the housing boom, that was by far the greatest economy the world has ever seen. Period. End of story. Nothing else even comes close. But that's not the story that President Trump is telling. Look, for obvious reasons, we know why he's doing it. But there are other things. The wall was not built. The swamp stopped him. He thought he drained the swamp. People will tell you that he drained the swamp. And then you say, well, then why wasn't the wall built? He said, well, the swamp wouldn't let him. And I thought the swamp was drained. You sit there and you say he never made a move on birthright citizenship, one of the things that bothers me the most. Never tried. Talked a good game about it. Talked about a lot of things that he could have done by executive action, or at least started the ball rolling on executive action, and then didn't do. It took him forever to try to repeal DACA, for example. And you're just like, what? what's the holdup? What are you doing? And you get it. Look, there's uh, political ramifications for doing this. There's, you know, you you have feelings about it, whatever. I don't really care. I I want somebody who doesn't give a damn about the impact, right? That's That's how I want the law enforced. The law is, here's the law. If you don't like the law, change the law. But I'm sorry, this is the law. It's horrible. It's awful. That's what's happening, blah, blah, blah. But here you go. 
That's how the law should be imposed, enforced. That's how laws should be passed. You can always find that Democrats are exceedingly good at this. They find the worst case scenario and they present it as though it's the norm. And they say, well, if, you, if Republicans get their way on this debt ceiling, grandma's going to be eating uh, cat food all the time. And you go, how is grandma going to be eating cat food? What the hell is that? De- well, her Social Security check is the only way grandma doesn't get her Social Security check and our national debt gets paid, is if Janet Yellen goes, I'm choosing to pay other things first. That's it. I'm choosing to pay other things first. Our government takes in $4 trillion a year. That's money coming. It doesn't all come in in April. It comes in year-round. There's money rolling into the federal government. The only way we don't meet our obligations the important ones are if the president and the secretary of the treasury actively decide not to, period, end of story. They might do it. They might do it because they're that stupid. They're that suicidal. They're that fanatic, fanatical about what they believe or at least what they say is uh, going to happen. And I think that if they think they can get away with blaming Republicans for their own incompetence, they'll do it. They'll absolutely do it. But it is, um, it would be a lie. Just like most of what politicians tell you is a lie. I don't care if it's Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, Vivek Ramaswamy, Tim Scott might be the only person out there telling you the truth about himself, but he hasn't really done much of anything. So I don't know what he's got to brag about. He at least... You know he believes in what he says he believes in. Whether or not he can get it done, whether or not he's got the energy or the compunction to actually do it, like caring for it, believing in something, and then caring enough to go to the mattresses on it, something else. Nikki Haley, yeah, he got reasons to sit there and go, I'm not sure I trust her, but you know what? Hear her out. Hear everybody out. You've got months and months and months before you have to decide who to vote for. Take them. Make them court you, all right? Make them court you. Make them earn that vote, okay? Don't just give it to them. Make them earn it. It's pretty simple. It's pretty basic. It's good stuff. And you might discover that whoever you thought you were going to vote for isn't the person They said they might not be able to articulate a vision. They might be full of crap. They might say something and then have a huge track record of saying the opposite in the past. They might have passed on many tap-in putts and didn't do things that they said they were going to do. But they're promising to do them this time. Democrats do that all the time. We believe in comprehensive immigration reform. Like I said yesterday, why don't you do anything? If it's so important to you, you lose sleep over it. Why don't you do anything about it when you had 60 votes in the Senate and a majority in the House and the White House? The first nine months of the first two years of the Obama administration, they could have done anything they wanted. They chose Obamacare. They could have done more than one thing. They chose to focus on Obamacare because if they had, quote-unquote, solved the immigration issue, And they wouldn't be able to scare the hell out of Hispanics saying Republicans want to deport everybody who looks like you. Blah, blah, blah. They wouldn't have been able to do it. That's way more important to the Democrats than solving a problem. 
So my uh, my suggestion is to keep your powder dry. Don't okay, if you feel strongly about it, you're going to do what you're going to do. But keep your powder dry. Don't commit to any candidate. Make them come get you. Make them come get you. You only get one vote. Once it's gone, it's gone. All right. Um, this weekend, we're heading into the time right before will you might just default. Oh, my. I want to talk about this just really briefly because Democrats are getting nervous. Republicans, Kevin McCarthy has been outplaying thus far, knock wood, have been outplaying Democrats on this, particularly the White House. Now, this is not because Kevin McCarthy is some sort of political genius or astute communicator. It's because Joe Biden is this ineffectual as a president of the United States. He's got the bully pulpit. Any and everything he says makes news, could make news. He could easily dominate the news of the day by coming out and giving a press conference about this issue. The thing is, he can't. He doesn't have the mental capacity to do it. He's, he's done. <laughs> he's just, he's the man who wasn't all there. And so that means that from the White House's perspective, they have to send out surrogates to make the case against Republicans. So you got Hakeem Jeffries, who just the other day I played for you, him saying, uh, we didn't pass anything when we were in charge on the debt ceiling because we didn't think Republicans in the Senate were going to do anything. Like, oh, okay, that, that's, there's no reason to think that, but you just, you just didn't because you didn't, you can just say you don't care. We know you don't care. And then you've got Chuck Schumer up there. Chuck Schumer, had Chuck Schumer been a non, could he have been in any more of a non-entity in this whole thing? In these negotiations, I can't imagine Chuck Schumer mattering less. I've the guy would knock over an old lady to get in front of a bank of cameras, and I don't know the last time I saw him in front of a bank of cameras. It's weird. So you got the White House. Joe Biden can't do it. You've got a few economic advisors who are not particularly articulate when it comes to economic issues, which is kind of sad. Then you've got the president himself, not an option again, as I said. So you got Karine Jean-Pierre. Karine Jean-Pierre, why she's so historic. But she sucks at her job. She can't be the face or the voice of the Democrats on this issue. That leaves Kevin McCarthy to dominate this. It's really funny to watch. Look, Kevin McCarthy is no schlub and he's not exact, you know, he's he's not the most charismatic person on the face of the earth, but Considering like Paul Ryan and his Eddie Munster kind of look and John Boehner breaking out crying every five minutes and Nancy Pelosi with her weird ways of pronouncing words like education. Kevin McCarthy is light years ahead of all of these people. And he's got the Democrats worried because, like I said, the House Republicans have already passed a debt ceiling increase. There were some strings attached, but you can't really start to negotiate until with the Senate until the Senate tells the House what they're willing to pass by passing something, right? And then you look and see if there's common ground. Well, this whole scenario, which normally favors Democrats, is now favoring Republicans. More Americans, according to polling, take it with a grain of salt, but more Americans, according to polling, which never, ever happens would blame Joe Biden if the government defaulted. It's only by four percentage points, but it's outside the margin of error, the latest poll, and it's very real. 
because Kevin McCarthy has been so effective against a media that is desperately trying to prop up Joe. Keep that in mind. So that he was able to pull it, I think it was 48 would blame, 48% would blame Biden, 44% would blame Republicans in Congress. That is a huge victory considering the monstrosity of, of machinery that Republicans are up against when it comes to getting their message out. Add to that the fact that Fox News has hemorrhaged viewers for the past couple of weeks. And this is a massive, massive victory. This has Democrats very nervous, which leads us to this Politico story. The headline, Biden or Democrats to Biden, get off the bench in debt limit fight. See, but he can't. They write, it seemed for a moment as though there were a potential thaw in an intractable debt ceiling fight. Speaking to reporters from an ornate hall on Wednesday, Speaker Kevin McCarthy said Republicans are ready to give Democrats key concessions. And then he revealed that the concessions were caps on spending and new work requirements for social safety programs. McCarthy was referencing purported cuts that a solitary Senator, Joe Manchin, once proposed, and his work requirement reform that then-Senator Joe Biden voted for in the 1990s. His concessions were, in reality, modern Republican demands, and his framing otherwise was a direct taunt of Democrats who steadfastly opposed both measures. Yet, keep in mind, Democrats oppose the concept of you suckling the government teat with any any strings attached whatsoever, like, okay, maybe you go... I don't know, clean up around a school or something like that. No, no, the inhumanity of that. Talk about the dignity of work and then work diligently to deny that so-called dignity from the people who vote for them because they're given our tax money. The jab privately gnawed at administration officials, but when pressed to respond to McCarthy, the White House demurred. Speaking hours later, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said merely that the that preventing default, quote, is not a concession, it's their job, period, end quote. The decision to not engage McCarthy's spin was a purposeful tactic for an administration that has chosen as a media strategy restraint. It's not restraint. They don't have anybody who can go out there and articulate it. They've already... See, the thing about all the economic advisors for President Biden, they're familiar faces by now if their names don't necessarily ring, but they're familiar faces in that you've seen them. They have been paraded out already throughout the last couple of years to tell you that, hey, inflation is temporary. It's transitory. And then it wasn't. Inflation is low. It's good. And then it wasn't. You go to the grocery store, you're paying two and three times. It's impossible to come out of there without spending like 60 bucks on just a couple of basics. And you go, what the hell? How did this happen? They're the same people who said, oh, gas prices are on the way down when gas prices are on the way up. Oh, hey, uh, gas prices are Trump's fault. We remember what prices were when Trump was office in office, and they were significantly lower than they are now. These are all these people who would come out there and spit in your face and gave a press conference talking about how it's just really raining. It's just rain. That's not spit. So they don't have any credibility with the American people. You can't send these people out again to try and make a case, even if it were true, which it wouldn't be, 
But even if it were true, you could not send these people out there because the American people have already heard BS from them and we've decided overwhelmingly, although not uniformly, that what these people are telling us is BS, mostly because what these people have told us in the past is BS, and so what they are going to tell us in the future is likely to be BS. So Democrats are lost. They don't know what to do. But the void, they say, left by the White House this week, Biden spoke very briefly on Monday, meeting with McCarthy, and made fleeting remarks on Thursday, has frustrated Capitol Hill Democrats who believe Biden's team is allowing Republicans to define the debt ceiling debate on their own terms. It's really upsetting the liberal media, too. They're very, very upset. They are ready to do the legwork. They are ready to do the heavy lifting. They've got the weekend at Bernie's script ready to go. But Joe Biden is so far gone, he can't come out there and do it. Quote, it's time to bring the president off the bench or bring somebody off the bench. No one's responding to anything. Kevin's consistently on message, end quote, said one House Democrat who was granted anonymity to speak freely. Quote, we have the Oval Office. I've never seen anything like it, end quote. Why not bring the president out? Because you can't. Why, why do you need anonymity? Put some pressure on the White House. Several Democrats on Thursday called on Biden to deliver a national address on the state of debt talks this week amid widespread worry the White House had not done enough to emphasize the stakes of a default. That's all they've talked about. They were talking about this for six months, the stakes of a default. What they weren't doing was negotiating either in good faith or even in bad faith. They were simply being obstinate demanding that they get their ball back so they could take it home. Well, Kevin McCarthy gave them the ball but ate their lunch. And now they're scrambling. There's still time for Republicans to screw it up. But right now the public is with them because the public is recognizing that the President of the United States is not engaged. He's not interested. The Republicans have made clear that they have a plan. And they do. What's the Democrat plan? What does Joe Biden always say? Where's the Republican plan? Where's the Repu- Where's the Democrat plan? The Democrat plan is just to raise the debt ceiling. Just, that's it? No sense of restraint whatsoever. No concern for the $32 trillion in debt we're never going to be able to pay off. Nope. Nope. With all the advantages that the Democrats inherently have in the system as it is currently configured, they can't win this fight. They haven't at least yet. They're losing this fight. It's a glorious thing. Now, who knows? By Monday or Tuesday, maybe there'll be some kind of a deal. They keep saying they're moving closer and closer and closer. And they probably will raise the debt ceiling. It just always happens. But it sure is fun to watch this thing. And also, there's just the realism that we're going to have to, we're going to default at some point. So I went into the other day, I won't bore you with it again. It is, um, if we're going to default eventually, the be- the sooner we do it, the better off we'll be. Because, well, it'll be easier to deal with the consequences now than in 10 or 20 years when things are out of control and they're going to have to really honestly make serious cuts that harm people. 
It'll be Democrats' fault. They refuse to do it now. Republicans could insist more, but at least they're paying lip service to the issue. I can't say the same about Democrats. All right. I've got to go blow my nose. I don't know what my left nostril is just filling up, and so it's affecting how I'm talking. So I'm going to call it a day there and uh, let you get on with your weekend and get ready for the Week in Efren Review and all that good stuff. Check it out, patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. You can do the uh, seven-day free trial, I believe, at patreon.com slash Podcast. So it costs you nothing. Check it out. See what you like. Uh, enter the contest. Signed books available this week from Brian Kilmeade or Luke Rosiak. Your choice. All you got to do is have your name drawn. I appreciate the hell out of you uh, listening. Hope you've got a great Memorial Day weekend. There'll be something up on uh, Memorial Day. Maybe I'll repost the show I filled in for Rush with or something. But it's a holiday. We all deserve a break, barring major news breaking. So have an awesome one. Appreciate the hell out of each and every one of you. Have a great one. Bye.